Hey guys, welcome to the Improvement Podcast, where the mission is to help young men develop their character, identity, and mindset in order to activate their potential and achieve their goals in life. So on today we have so on today's show we have another special guest. His name is Ben Smith. He is a mental wellness coach as well as a personal trainer and a writer. Thank you for coming to the show, Ben. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you for having me. Yeah, my pleasure. I'm really looking forward to our conversation today. Yeah, no, I was excited to be here. I was excited to chat. Yeah, definitely. And so uh, to kind of hop into it, uh, for the people that aren't familiar with your background and what you do, could you give them a little bit more information? Yeah, I mean, I, I basically, my thing right now, I mean, I was a person, I've been a personal trainer for years. I started working in gyms when I was a teenager. Um, so personal training has been a big thing for me. I, my wife and I owned a gym. I, I, we owned a personal training studio. And I just kind of transitioned over time into more mental wellness, starting with, I, I worked a lot with kids in the, in the schools. I had an after-school boxing program. I, I started a, a program called the Gloves Off program, which was, aimed at uh, high-risk kids, um, you know, offering to teach a bit of boxing and mentorship and conflict resolution. So I did that in the schools. I had my, yeah, so I, I worked a lot with kids and through my personal training studio, and it slowly transitioned into more specifically um, just mental wellness. Yeah, that's great. So it looks like you've done you know, a broad range of stuff. And it seems like a lot of your work has really just been around kids, at least at the beginning. And so one question I have for you is, what would you say was the uh, reason or the catalyst for you deciding to work with children? Um, well, it actually began when I, when I was still competing as a boxer, I slowly started to do talk about anti-bullying. I would actually, at some of the fights, I would talk a little bit about anti-bullying and, and the need for nonviolence. And it just kind of was a transition. It was a pretty easy transition to go from um, being a personal trainer and a boxer. And then as we, again, as we opened up our gym, all of a sudden we had a bunch of kids. We were only a block away from the high school. So we ended up having a lot of kids from the school coming, coming through our gym. And it just was a pretty easy transition. Okay. I see. A, a normal evolution really is what it was. Right, right. And you mentioned that you used to box like so you actually used to be a boxer. So that's that's interesting. You don't come across somebody that's, you know, done boxing like at a level besides just like the casual stuff that often. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So what was your uh, experience like with that? And what got you into boxing? Um, Well, I started boxing when I was quite young, um, you know, like grade eight. And I kind of fell in and out of it. And then um yeah, so then I kind of really committed to it when I was in my early 20s. And I, I you know, I went to the Nationals. I fought pro and you know, just all that kind of stuff. I was actually really trying to make the uh, 2000 Olympic team, um, mm-hmm. which I didn't make. But, um, you know, I got pretty close, but I never I never made the team. But that was that was kind of the carrot. And then I, I kept boxing a little bit after that. But I, I basically transitioned into into more training people, coaching. Okay. And uh, what would you say was, um, what would you say was the reason why you gravitated towards boxing when you were young? I know we kind of talked about this like a little bit off air, (laughs) but uh, yeah, it would be great if you could give the listeners a little bit of insight on what the motivation was and, you know, how having those skills and everything played into your development growing up in the environment that you did. Yeah. Well, as you and I have spoke, spoke about before, I grew up in a very, very violent, uh, 
environment where, I mean, I basically got my head kicked in daily for years and years. I was in a very, very tough neighborhood. My brother was really tough. My older brother was really tough. He was, he was kind of a lunatic. And, uh, and my parent, when my parents divorced in grade three, my my brother and I moved with my dad into a place in East Vancouver, a really tough neighborhood. And he wasn't around that much. So basically our house was taken over by my brother and his friends who just basically kicked the snot on me every day. So I kind of realized pretty early that I better, I better learn how to take care of myself because nobody was taking care of me. So, um, yeah, so I, 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 started boxing i started wrestling around the same time and and i i just gravitated towards these tough older guys who basically took me under their wing and i started bouncing when i was like 17 and um yeah i just kind of i just yeah so that, basically that's how i started boxing was just i need i i needed something to take care of myself right so that's that's different you know normally whenever you hear stories about like people growing up in a rough neighborhood and like having to defend themselves. It's usually people that are outside of their house. But, you know, when you talked about your brother really being the, the main person that was bullying you and being physically aggressive towards you, it kind of adds a different dynamic to it because, you know, it's one thing, you know, if you have to walk home and like avoid the neighborhood kids and, you know, get back to like your safe space at your house. But that wasn't even a thing, you know, maybe the kids in the neighborhood were tough too. I'd imagine they were. But then on top of that, you maybe get roughed up by them. Then you go home and have the same thing happen from your brother and, and his friends. It's just, you know, just kind of thinking about that, kind of putting myself in your shoes. I can I can only imagine like how tough that would be, especially as a young developing kid having to cope with that. Yeah, you know, it was really, really hard. I found it really, really hard, especially I mean, my brother and I always fought and and we're all we're adopted. Right. So we grew up in a in a in a Caucasian I, for anybody who can't see, I'm black. I'm part black. <laughs> I'm part black. Um, but we grew. We were adopted. My brother, my my older brother, and my younger sister and I are all adopted from different families. And so we grew up in a in a, a well. My dad, my adopted dad, is Scottish and Icelandic, and my adopted mom was English. So they're as white as you can get. Um, and uh, and anyways, I mean, they were great. My dad was great. <laughs> But um, there was just a lot of, there's a ton of racism. And my brother, my brother really, really was really racist towards me um, and, uh, and very violent and just from a very early age. But when my parents divorced when I was in grade three, and then it was basically me and my brother basically at home on our own most, a lot of time, um, yeah, it, it it was horrible because I couldn't go anywhere, right? I was getting my head kicked in at school. I was getting my head kicked in the street streets. I'd go home and my brother and his friends would take over our house. So I'd get my head kicked in there. Nobody was and and I used to literally pray, pray every night, please God, don't let anybody call me a nigger and don't let me get my head kicked in. And my prayers were almost never answered, not ever. And it was horrible. I hated it. <laughs> Man, I'm kind of struggling to like even come up with something to like say in response to that, because we had talked about your story a little bit before, but I didn't realize it was that tough. Like, that's just. Oh, it was it was really, really bad. Like, I mean, it, yeah, it was 
Yeah, it was crazy. And even when my dad was home, I think he was just so he was because my mom and my sister, my mom was pretty harsh. And so she demanded a lot from my dad. So I think my dad was just in this state of shock. Um, so even when he was there, he didn't really do much. Um, you know, I mean, one time my brother basically curb stomped me, like he jumped, you know, kicked me in the stomach and I hit the ground and he stomped my face in the ground. That was one of the only times my dad ever stepped in. But I mean, I remember getting my head kicked in. My dad would just be like sitting on the couch with this vacant look in his eyes. And it just, and I was just like, isn't anybody going to help me? And nobody, it didn't seem like anybody was, was, it didn't seem like anybody cared. Right. So I had a lot of issues I had to deal with. And I realized that pretty early that I had to take care of myself. Right. Did you ever hold any resentment towards either of them, your father or, uh, or your brother? Uh, I held resentment towards all of them. Like I felt like my mom, my mom basically felt like she didn't care. I felt like my dad, my dad loved me. I knew my dad loved me and, and I loved my dad too. But I, I really felt like he was like in such a state of shock. And my dad, my brother was so out of control that even my, that one time when my, the, when he did step, one of the times when he did step in, he stepped in a couple of times, but that one time when he stepped in, when my brother uh, basically stomped my face and like, I couldn't breathe. I had blood, it was my first broken nose. I was only grade seven. My brother was in grade nine. Um, and, and my dad came in, he tried to restrain my brother. And my brother just like, just went off on my dad, just punching my dad, eating, kneeing him, elbowing him. And, and I remember looking like I couldn't breathe. I had blood gushing out of my nose. I'm looking at like, my dad can't even control my brother. And I think my brother, my, my, my dad passed away actually just when COVID started. Um, so he's not with us anymore, but I think he was afraid of my, my brother too. Everybody was afraid of my brother because he was such a, a psychopath, you know? So it was, a, it was really crazy to, to be in this super violent situation where, and, and then because all the, because, my, because that was going on, these kids would come to my house and they knew that they, that they had like, like it was a free for all on me. Right. They knew that nobody was going to stop it. Right. So it was crazy. Right. It was crazy, but you know, it is what it is, right. It, it's, you know, it, it made, you know, there's a lot of things that came out of it and I wouldn't be who I am had I not gotten through all that, all that craziness, but you know, it was, it was tough. It was tough at the time. Right. Man. What was, um, what was the process like, for you to be able to move on from that, to be able to heal from it. Cause you know, I, I can only imagine that going through a, you know, having that type of lifestyle, having these types of things happen to you for years and not getting any relief. I can imagine that, that, you know, when you bottle those feelings up and you feel powerless and all that, uh, a lot of kids, they may take out some of that anger and that frustration on other people. And, you know, just one question I have for you is how did you kind of cope with that? And how did you eventually heal from it over time? to be able to move past it. Oh, well, for sure. I took it out on people too. I mean, I was a scrappy kid too. I was a tough kid mm -hmm. um, because all I did was fight. I mean, even when we weren't fighting, even when I wasn't getting beat up, we had all these fight games at home. We tried to, me and my brother would try and knock each other out with headbutts. And so, I mean, fighting was like my life kind of in many ways. Um, so I was a bully too. I mean, I bullied other kids because if you, if you're being, if you're getting beat on and you're getting bullied, you know, for sure, you're going to be a, I mean, not for sure, but there's a good chance you're going to be a bully too. And I was a bully. So I took it out on other people. I took it out on my sister. I took it out on, 
you know, basically when I got older, I took it out on people when I was working as a bouncer, I was, I'd look for, I'd look for big guys to take it out on because it's like, you know what? I ain't that little kid anymore, you know? So I, I kind of had to work through all that violence, you know, and I had to find, you know, I mean, and, and again, I, I think, I think resilience is a big thing for me, but resilience is, is one of the things I love the most about myself is, 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 is taking all these challenges and, and using them to enhance my life. But I think, um, I think the biggest gift of all of that was, was going through the, the cycle of, of being afraid, protecting myself, using what, what I was afraid of to, to feel strong. And then realizing that you can't, you can't fight. Um, I don't want to call it evil, but, but let's just say you can't fight evil with evilness. You have to, you have to really get over the things that you feel perpetrated by. You have to, you, love is the only answer. And I learned that I had to go through this cycle of like, you know, being beat down, beating other people down, seeing what it does, seeing how it not only does it break them down, you know, but it broke me down more than it broke them down because, because I, I'm, I'm living with this pain of years. I'm living with this trauma for these years of trauma. So I'm the one that's suffering when I knock somebody out, when I knock some bully out, you know, he has a broken nose or he has a, a, bust a jar or whatever he has, but I have that pain forever. You know, so I I under I started to understand the that you cannot, you cannot, um, you cannot overcome violence with violence. You can only overcome violence in the long term with love and compassion and forgiveness. And so I had to go through a very, very long cycle to understand that. And then once I did, I was able to kind of basically shed myself of it. And and use my life to help others and and have that compassion, that understanding, and that empathy for others that that makes me feel like really like my life is is pretty amazing because I'm able to to have that you know use the use the struggles of my childhood as a real a, as a real gift to help others. Right. Man, uh, one thing that stuck out to me. You talked about how you stepped into the role of being a bully as well. And what it made me think of is really how whenever you see people doing these things that we might not agree with, that we might disapprove of, sometimes maybe empathizing and putting yourself in their shoes can kind of lead to you seeing maybe why they have resorted to doing the things that they do. You know, because from hearing the story and hearing how you were a victim for so long, you know, it you know, it's terrible to hear that. And it definitely doesn't make me feel good to hear that that happened to somebody. But then when you talked about how you kind of stepped into a role of, of being a bully to be able to give yourself some sort of relief, you know, it, it, let's say at first, if you had came in and just said, yeah, I was a bully and you know, I used to beat up kids and all that, people probably wouldn't empathize much, but seeing, you know, the, I guess the psychological effects of the things that were happening to you and how it led to you being that bully, uh, it really, um, it really just adds like another element to it you know when you're trying to digest it and really kind of see like where you're coming from and so uh, I, I appreciate you share, sharing that part of it yeah well i'll tell you another thing too and and again i wrote i wrote a book i haven't published i wrote a long book 10 years ago kind of trying to you know it, it's 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 trying to go through a, a lot of different things but one of the one of the things that goes through is the the journey between being kind of 
the book starts where I was when I was 23, basically just wanted to put a bullet in my head, right? Death wish, you know, and, but the aftermath of all that neglect and all that bullying and all that violence and all those, all those other things my daughter was taking from me, all these kinds of crazy things that were going on. And then this cycle over, over the, the book is over six years about, of, of finding, of finding that coming all the way full circle to realizing that, you know, it, it, it hurts, it hurts you so much to continue the cycle. So, so when are you going to break it? And so that was kind of, that's basically was my lesson was like, I have to be the one that breaks it. I have to be the one because I'll never escape it if I don't. So, and I remember, I remember, you know, when I was like still in that kind of rage, you know, knocking out these big guys and watching them crying at my feet, watching them crying. And then going five years later where I'm begging people not to, not to fight and then knocking them out. And then I'm the one crying. I'm the one crying because I can't break the cycle. You know, you know, I'm knocking them out, you know, because I have to, because it's my job, because I'm still bouncing, you know, and I'm knocking these guys out and I'm going home crying. You know, because why am I living this? Why am I still in this cycle of violence? Why am I, why am I caught up in this, in this, you know, cycle that, that I never wanted to be a part of in the first place? You know what I mean? And then that's when you realize, you know, it's like, you can't fight back what, what, you can't fight what brought you down with the same thing that, that did it to you. You have to, you have to come from a higher level of love and compassion. And it starts with yourself. You have to learn to love yourself and say, you know what, you know, you didn't mean to do, you know, you didn't do anything wrong. You would, it just was the, the, it's the circumstances you were born into. But now if you want to overcome that, you're going to have to give yourself a pat on the back, realize that you didn't do anything wrong, but let's move forward. Right. And you're going to move forward by, by love and compassion and realizing that people who, who hurt you in any way, whether it's physical, whether it's mental, whether it's whatever they're hurt too. People don't hurt people, strong, healthy um, strong, healthy, grounded people don't hurt other people, not intentionally. People who are wounded hurt other people. So, to, you know, when you can kind of pat yourself on the back, forgive yourself for, for maybe not understanding these things early on, and then move forward realizing that the only reason anybody ever talks down to you, yells at you, hurts you, hits you, neglects you, anything like that is because they're drowning in their own pain. If you can, the sooner you can learn that, the sooner you will be able to kind of, again, kind of move past it and, and, and take it so that it, it uplifts you to a higher level where you can start to see the bigger picture and, and have it empower you. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes sense. And something that, uh, that you mentioned that I'd also like to kind of add some, maybe to like add some clarity for the listeners is you mentioned that, you know, you, you would tell yourself that you didn't do anything wrong. I see, I see where you're coming from, you know, because this is the way it was kind of phrased to me because there've been some things in my past I'm not happy with that I've done. But the thing is the reason why I did them, it wasn't to be bad. It wasn't to intentionally do the wrong thing. It's because I did those things thinking that was the way that things needed to be done or that it was the right thing to do. The, the way that the person phrased it to me is that we never do we never go into a situation saying, well, most people don't go into a situation saying I'm going to make the wrong decision. 
And so I, I think that's something that could be added to what you said about doing the right thing or the wrong thing, because, you know, it's definitely not right, of course, to to beat people up. But in that frame of mind that you were in, you felt like that was something that needed to be done. Uh, you were able to make it right, I guess you could say, in your head. And you can't blame yourself because that's the uh, the space that you were in at that mm-hmm. time anyway. Yeah, like I say, I mean, nobody... Well, not no, I wouldn't say nobody. Not nobody, but most people don't. Yeah, yeah. yeah, most people are not, most people think that they're, most people can justify what they're doing, right? Mm -hmm. Even if it's only temporary in the short term, they can justify what they're doing. And then only maybe later they go, oh, what was I thinking, right? Right. Even when you yell at somebody, you're like, you know, it's just snap judgment. Like, you know, they cut me off. Oh, screw you, right? Then you like five minutes later, you're like, oh man, you know what? They didn't, it was not, you know, it happens all the time, right? Mm-hmm. It's just at what level are we doing here, right? Right, right. Yeah, I, I can definitely see where you're coming from. And um, so now that you've kind of walked through your your origin story, you could say, and you know, how you've made your transformation, something I'd like to ask you is, uh, what would you say were some of the resources that you used to work through your your darkness? I don't know if you went through therapy, or I don't know if like there were certain people you talked to or activities. One of them that you mentioned was was boxing that kind of helped. But uh, yeah, what were some of the uh, resources that you used to to work through that darkness to get to where you are now? Um, well, I mean, it could be books, you know, anything you know that that helps you come to those realizations and start to get on that trajectory to be a more healthy man. Well, I'll tell you, I'll tell you this: the, the very first thing that happened was again, like my my story. Really, a lot of my story is is with my daughter being taken from me when I was 23. Um, she was three then. And, and that's kind of what I didn't know where she lived. I didn't know where she had been taken. And that was kind of a rock bottom for me where I was like, I was, a, I was dealing drugs. I was working as a bouncer. I was a drug addict. I was like immersed in this violence. And I was really, I really literally was just, just making it one day at a time before I really wanted to kill myself, but I really wanted a payback. I felt like, like, how could life be so unfair to me? How could life be so unfair to me? Somebody has to pay for it. Like somebody has to pay. And that was kind of one of the things that kind of drove me. And, um, and then, but one of the things that helped me get out of that though, was um, a girl, a girl who just, she, she, I met her in a nightclub. I didn't even really know who she was, but she called me. She, she asked me to go out with her and, and, and I did. And she was just so, she, she looked at me and she, she showed so much compassion towards me. Like she, she adored me so much. And I was like, and it, it just was like, so I would say the, the, probably one of the, one of the main things that the first things that happened to me was somebody saw the best of me when I couldn't. And so I always try to do that to other people. I always try to see, I always try to see their full their potential or the best in them, even if they can't, because that is huge. It's so huge for somebody who's struggling or drowning or wants to go to the next level or something. If if you as a you know as a teacher or a friend or a parent, you know, standing on the other side and see it can see them and really and really look at them and truly see them for the best that they can be, it can change their life. It did for me. And then I had a lot of work to do after that, you know, as far as you know, I did read and I did learn. I had, I mean, I had a long ways to go before I was really felt like I was very, very stable at 40, you know, like, you know, so it was many years, but, but that was the first thing that really kind of like, like 
she just shot she just highlighted to me like like you're 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 such a she looked at me with this love and compassion and this like you know i'm worthy of this you know i i deserve this and i i wanted it so badly it's like if she could see me that way i could see myself that way too so that was that was really one of the biggest things and one of the things i i have never forgotten and i never will forget is that if you can see the best in other people if you can never if you can just 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 highlight it so clearly through your own eyes that 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 they're special and they're worthy and they have these amazing qualities and hold it tight. It can change a person's life. Right. Cause then they can start to see it for themselves. Right. So you, you pointed out about having somebody that saw the potential in you. And I think that's so, so crucial to somebody finally like making a big change, like kind of what we're talking about, because of course I didn't have an upbringing, you know, like you where I had to go through something like that. But one thing I would say is that, what was one of the one of the major things that led to me eventually being able to make a flip and start doing personal development and really gaining some more confidence and trying to develop into the man I wanted to be. It was other people seeing some potential in me, because, of course, when you're just sitting there in your head all the time, you're probably never going to get to the point where you think I'm worthy of something. But then someone it could be out of nowhere or someone that, you know, and looks at you and they're pointing out this potential in you and they're they're showing it to you it really does help a whole lot. You know, I, I can say like whenever I was coming out of high school, uh, my, uh, my confidence was almost as low as it can get. I didn't think anything positive about myself, but then I got into like this, this sales job where I kind of looked at it as an opportunity to be able to make some money before I went to school and somebody saw potential in me and the way that that, that manager that I had, his name is Phil. You know, we, we haven't talked in I think it's been like maybe like a year or two years, something like that. It's It's been a while, but that was like one of the first people that saw some potential in me and like expressed it in a way that really resonated with me. And it gave me energy to where, you know, that same goodness, wherever that skill that he saw that I had, I started looking for it in myself and looking for clues and utilizing it. And then when it manifested into results, it's like, hey, I guess I'm not as bad as I thought I was. Like, I guess, you know, I might be somewhat competent in something. So I can definitely relate to that, even though it's in a different way. Mm -hmm. I just think that's super huge for everybody. Like, you know, because we all, we all have the ability to see the best in, in the people that we run across, like whether it's our friends or families, the people that we see on the street. And I, I try to do that all the time, right? I'm always, I'm always like, Oh, you know, hi, how is you? Oh, you know, try to listen because it can change somebody's life. Really? Like if you can see, First of all, you should you should shine on your you should do that to yourself every day. You should be like, you know what, God, you know I'm a good person. I'm you know I'm kind. I'm friendly. I'm loving. I'm this. I'm that. Whatever it is your thing is, right? Like for me, it's like I'm resilient. I'm I, I my my big thing that kind of anchors me is my resilience and the feel. I feel like I'm an unbreakable person. Um, it's like, you know what, you could throw anything at me and I'll still, I'll still be standing. So these are the things I feel so good about myself. I feel so, so I shine that light on myself, but as I do it on myself, then, then I could become, it's kind of like, I fill myself up and it's overflowing. And then I do it to everybody else. It's like, dude, look at you. Look how amazing you are. Look how like you, and sincerely, like, cause you could see the best of people. And if you could do that consistently, you change lives every day. Right. So what you just kind of described, you reminded me of doing positive affirmations. And I remember before I used to think it was complete BS, you know, someone telling you, oh, if you just say this stuff or whatever, all of a sudden it's going to become true. 
And, you know, while it doesn't work like that, where the stuff just magically, you know, happens and appears in your life, the benefit from those affirmations, kind of like what you're talking about from what it seemed to me and from my experience was that it at least opens up your mind to where like you see those things as possibilities for you. And it makes it to where you kind of start to look out for ways to have those things uh, happen in your life. You know, like if you tell yourself, yeah, I'm a resilient person and all that, like you were saying, then whenever challenges come, just having that in your mind, you know, having that, that's something like at the forefront or that you're open to looking for when it comes to opportunities, looking for opportunities to be resilient, it kind of becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. And I didn't realize how powerful your words on it could be until, you know, I was, you know, at some of my lowest points and then did the same thing and just kept, you know, repeating those things in my head, listening to maybe like the audios or, or whatever, when I was in the car or just like walking by myself, it, it definitely does work wonders. Words are very powerful. They shape your reality. Mm-hmm. Especially if they're words that like, I, I think affirmations that you don't believe are, are not really going to do that much. I, I don't, right. I don't believe in affirmations so much that I believe in truth, mm-hmm. you know, but picking the truth that you, you, um, that you want to focus on. I mean, my truth could be, you know, whatever. My truth could be that uh, I was a troubled kid. I got into a lot of trouble. I was violent. I was a bully just as much as I was bullied or whatever. Or my truth could be like, I'm super resilient. I'm super strong. I'm super strong minded. You know, so I I mean, there's two, you have a lot of different truths you could choose from, but -hmm. you should pick a truth that really resonates as, as truth, but that's empowering, right? then it's not really an affirmation. It's not, it's truth. It's real for you. Right. And then you Uh, just kind of, you just go in that direction. Right. Like, you know, it's like, it's like people that say, you know, an affirmation, like, Oh, I have wealth. I have wealth. I have wealth, but they keep, but they feel poor. They feel broke. They feel whatever. But yeah, a truth along those ways is I, I feel wealth. I have wealthy relationships i have wealthy friendships i have i love where i whatever i live i have this wealth of physical health and physical then then that's not a fake that's a truth right Mm -hmm. that's truth so if you can find empowering truths then you know it's not an affirmation it's just it's just highlighting those things that you want to have amplified in your life and that's that's going to work for everybody right that's that's Mm -hmm. that's not even worth that's not even negotiable. That's a non-negotiable. That's going to happen. It's going to magnify in your life, right? Right. I'm glad that you made that point too, because what it what it signals to me anyway is that kind of framing your experiences like on the positive end, looking at like what you gained from your pain, you could say, instead of how it's hurt you, it can be a way to kind of champion yourself and move on from it. Because if you're always looking at the disadvantages that came from what happened to you, right? being in a negative mindset, even though those are truths that you'd be saying, like, just like how you said, it's going to make it to where you aren't necessarily going to be open for the better things. But if you look at what you gain from that, then like I said before, it makes it to where your eyes are open to other opportunities that align with that truth. So yeah, I'm glad that you brought up that point. Yeah, absolutely. And the reality is, um, and I've been trying to help people with that for the last 10 years really especially since covid started mm-hmm. it's like why why would you why wouldn't you focus on the truths that are empowering right like you know whatever it is right about you about the community that you're in about the situation right like like as soon as when as soon all this time that covid has been happening i've been saying you know this is this is bad 
but like like look at how we've banded together a lot of these times look at how we've 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 tightened our 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 circles our families and we've look at all the look at how we've all become you know wiser or or a little bit more um savvy about how we run our businesses or maybe we made a career change you know like there's been all these positives that you could focus on or you could i mean they're both truth right it's what truth are you going to focus on right right so and that's how it's always going to be whether you you've had like horrible circumstances or or not right and or whatever those horrible circumstances just like victor frankel in a in a nazi yeah, you know, just like him, you know, it's like you can choose, you can choose moments of, of love and compassion and up, up and fulfillment and upliftment, even in the, the most dire circumstances. But and again, it's truth and it's 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 what you focus on, right? And right. that's just that's always gonna be the same for everybody, no matter where they are or no matter who like where they live. It's like you can you can focus on the truth that's empowering or not, right? Right. And I think one thing that may lead to a lot of people focusing on the negative is one thing that comes with that is that whenever you can come up with reasons for why you can't succeed or can't do well, in a way, it kind of saves you from a different type of pain, which would be, let's say you go out and you actually try and do some of these things and you fail. That might be harder on some people. I guess a lot of times it's really easier just to tell yourself those negative things so you never have to deal with the pain that might come from stretching yourself out of your comfort zone and trying. That's definitely something I've noticed. You know, I do like some some casual coaching on the side. And I would say that those negative, uh, I guess, you know, negative connotation people might put on their ex- experiences are like some of those negative uh, truths that we were talking about. In a way, it's kind of like a, a defense mechanism to not have to go out and, you know, potentially hurt themselves in other types of ways, being uncomfortable in other ways. Yeah, it's like you say, you know, I mean, uh, failing to just be truthful about about situations and finding the positive truth, failing, failing to just like deal with the situation. It's just going to draw out this long drawn out pain that's going to go on and on and on and just get worse and worse and worse because eventually you're going to know you're going to know that you you really backed out. You, you weren't you weren't true to yourself. Right. Because. Mm-hmm. A lot of a lot of this, in my opinion, again, I'm 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 well. I turned 51 in a couple of weeks here, but um, you know, so I've had a lot of life. But a lot of a lot of things are going to be informed by the way you look at this experience, right? This human experience. And for me, I see it as that. You know, like we come, we're born, we're put into a situation, and it's finite, right? You know, and and I believe in in. I'm a spiritual person, so I believe that our bodies are going to go, but our spirits are going to go on. But but our bodies, are, again, you know, I mean, people can, are going to have a ton of beliefs, right? But I believe that in this 80 years or whatever we are here in this world, in this in this um, life experience, in this body, it's like it's like just you know, to make the most of it. Just go out there and and like it's not going to last forever. Right. So find empowering ways to see things like, you know, if you fail, you fail, but fail, fail up, 
You know what I mean? You fail up by learning and say, oh, that didn't work, you know, or maybe that wasn't my thing or whatever. But I learned this. I learned this. I learned this. I got more. I got more knowledge. I got more discipline. And I'm going to keep going forward. I'm going to keep going forward because, you know, when my 80, 90 years or whatever it is, is up, that's it. Right. I mean, none of us is getting out of this alive. Right. <laughs> so so fear in many ways is uh, is is kind of an uh, irrational. I mean, if you really step back far enough, and I had this talk with some people in the summer, but um, if you step back far enough from the situation and give yourself enough distance, you know, all fear is irrational, right? But the closer the the closer you can get to to an understanding that that whatever fear is stopping you is irrational and it's come to terms with it the more you can just move on and just kind of do whatever it is you you think will make you happy in the moment right mm-hmm. I, I can see where you're coming from with that like most of the things that we fear like in our day-to-day life i would definitely say that that, that fear really isn't rational it's not really based in like actual threats you know like it, it is one thing like if you're like in the wilderness and like animals charging at you, you know, I'll say that's valid fear, but you know, as far as like going up and, you know, pitching your business or something like that, or maybe you see somebody that you're interested in and you want to go talk to them, those types of fears, absolutely. I would say are are irrational and really just lead to us not living the life that we want and deserve. And yeah, I appreciate you sharing that. And uh, one last question that I would have for you before we kind of close out is, uh, and it doesn't have to be related to any of the stuff we talked about in this episode, but it would be, what would you say is the best piece of advice that you've ever been given or that you read? Mm, the best advice that I uh, been given or that I've read. Hmm. I would, I would say that. Uh, yeah. Something along the lines of what I just said, actually just, you know, don't, don't take life so seriously because nobody's getting out of this alive. It's just like, just go for it. I mean, the worst that's going to happen, the worst that's going to happen is you're going to fail. But at the end, you know, I mean, what is failure, right? So I would say something along the line, I've, I've done a lot of reading. I've done a lot of researching and reflecting and this and that, and whether it's been the Bible or the Quran or, or spiritual teachings of all kinds or, or self-help. I've done a lot of reading over the years and, and, and whatnot, but, but I think that something along the lines would be, be, I mean, even Jesus said that if you're a Christian, I mean, you know, most of the spiritual leaders that we've, we've kind of been following have said the same thing. Like, don't, don't take, there's more, there's more to this. Don't, you know, you're not going to get out of this live, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Okay. Well, I, th- I think that's solid advice. And, uh, you know, one last thing. So for the people who are interested in, in finding you and checking out some of the stuff that you do, where could they find you? Uh, they can go to the goliathfoundation.com. So the Goliath, like David and Goliath, goliathfoundation.com. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're there. Um, yeah, we're on uh Instagram, we're Facebook, Goliath Foundation, where um yeah, we can be emailed. Um I'm yeah, yeah. Goliath the Goliathfoundation.com is basically the main that would be the main resource. All right, gotcha. And so that pretty much wraps up another episode of Improvement. Uh I appreciate you coming on the show, Ben. 
If you guys like the content today, make sure to leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or whatever platform you listen to it on. And uh, also make sure to check out the website, which is improvementpodcast.com. But yeah, once again, thanks, Ben. I really appreciate you coming on the show today. Yeah, no, thank you. It was fun to talk. (laughs) Yeah, I definitely enjoyed it too. I hope you enjoy the rest of your day. Yeah, you too. All right, take care.